1: What's up everybody, welcome to Transformation Radio, where we transform lives through purposeful conversations, regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are.
2: Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our joy sing,
1: rise
2: high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as. Sing Sing A
1: song Full of the faith that The dark past has taught us Sing A song Full of the hope that the present Has brought up everybody welcome back to transformation radio that's right transformation radio where we transform lives through purposeful conversations regardless of how uncomfortable and unpopular those conversations are my name is Clifton Petty John I'm a purpose strategist author transformation coach and spiritual leader I provide tools and strategies to transition you from merely existing to living a life full of Purpose. That's right. You. I'm talking to each and every one of you that is listening to me tonight. I want you to understand that as long as there's breath in your body, that purpose yet remains. All right? Purpose yet remains. And the fact that you're tuned in to Transformation Radio, I guarantee you that after tonight's conversation, you will be. Introduce even even the more To the purpose that resides inside of you Listen y'all, we've been having master Classes on here We've had uh, poetry nights On here, we've had A lot of different experiences on tonight I think this is the first time we've Had a therapist on here, so I want You guys to get ready, we're about to have uh, It may be a, a Therapeutic session tonight, but I Believe that if we will listen And, and hear the, the heart of uh, our guests on tonight We will begin to see That there's hope and purpose Inside of us So again, thank you all for joining me on tonight I pray that your week Is going, well it just started But I pray that it's going well I pray that you are focused More than you've ever been focused Listen I want to give you guys the call-in number because I want you to be a part of the conversation on tonight. We're going to get straight to our guests. I'm not going to go through anything else, but I want to remind you, when you call in, myself and all of the guests that I invite on the show are from different backgrounds and belief systems. Therefore, we're going to say some things you guys aren't going to agree agree with, and that's okay. It's absolutely okay. That's how we learn and grow, when we can listen from a place of respectfully disagreeing. However, if we call in, we want to make sure that we remain respectful as well. If you disagree with something with, with what is said, that's okay. But make sure you call in with the right mindset, okay? So call in number 516-387-1756. Again, 516 387 1756 remember i have to limit each call to 1 minute the reason being is i want to give our guests an opportunity to share their story and i also want to give other people an opportunity to join the conversation all right so tonight's guest listen if you haven't seen this if you haven't seen the bio i encourage you to go by the website and uh review it so much stuff here is a masters in Human Development and Psychology from Harvard Graduate School of Education. He has a Master's of Philosophy and Personal Counseling from the University of Pennsylvania Graduate School of Education. A therapist, a writer, and an educator, help me welcome to the show, Arya Baker. How are you? I'm sorry, Araya Baker. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. I apologize. How are you, you, Araya? I'm good. (laughs) Good, good, good. I'm sorry I mispronounced your name. I do apologize for that. But we are excited to have you on the show. Uh, As I said, I believe that that you are going to add so much value to our listening audience and to all of us that are listening on tonight. I'm excited. Okay, so we start every conversation with an icebreaker question, okay? This is the same question okay. I ask everybody that comes on the show. I believe this mm-hmm. question tells me a lot about each and every guest that we have. Mm, I love questions like yeah. those. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, too. I really do. I enjoy them. So if you could have one superpower – what would that superpower be and why? Hmm. Hmm, I love that question. Um I think that
3: I would want the superpower to I think that I would want to be able to um i think redistribute wealth and resources in our world mm. the ability not just to implement the redistribution of wealth and resources but to really reach every single person and help every single person understand why equity and why justice is so important whether that looks through looks like doing that through storytelling or through teaching or through community organizing but having the power to really get through to every single person on earth and help them see the the our collect, that our, in our that our collective best interest is when we invest mm-hmm. in equity for everyone.
1: And the reason why I asked that question is because it as I said it tells me a lot about our guests because it always seems to tie into what you guys are actually doing to create a better world. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's why I always like to start with that question because that question just shows us so much and shows how the direction of this conversation is going is going to go. Now let's talk about mm-hmm. before we get to the game, let's talk about those two words that you just brought up equity mm-hmm. and equality. Okay. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about equity and equality. Why are those (laughs) two words so important to you?
3: I think to me, um, my personal identity also has a lot to do with it being an openly queer black person. um, Mm -hmm. I have, throughout my life, felt somewhat relegated to the margins in both of those communities. In the broader LGBTQ Mm -hmm. community, I, I felt invisible, unseen, unheard. Um, Sometimes just outright not included And then similarly in the black community And it always isn't, I want to be clear It it always isn't like just outright vile rejection Um, Sometimes it's just being ignored Or um, being invisible, invisibilized Um, And so for me, I have over time developed Just an acuteness to Detecting inequity And it, I've, I've mm-hmm. over the years Expanded my empathy to include Anyone who is Excluded or marginalized Or silent, suppressed For any reason
1: And I like how you broke that down Because uh, You actually brought it from a place Of, to me, from a place Of maturity and healing Because sometimes when we're still Broken because of that feeling of being unseen or unheard. We many times, Mm -hmm. you know, hold up our signs for equality and equity, but Mm -hmm. that brokenness within us still has a certain set of people that Mm -hmm. we don't want to be a part of it. And sometimes we do it subconsciously. Mm -hmm. So I like how you brought it full circle, that it includes everybody. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that a little later because I saw your um Father's Day post uh mm-hmm. that you had written to your father and I was like oh that's powerful. But I also mm-hmm. saw the um post you had the exchange with your uncle. And I feel mm-hmm. like I want to bring that up a little later because I think a lot of people need to hear that and hear how, you know, you how you handle that situation. Mhm. Sure. Yeah, okay. I'm down to talk so, about it. But first at all. we're gonna get to this game. Oh go ahead.
3: Alright. Alright. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's let's get to
1: it. Okay, here's the game now. I'm gonna say a word. You can all either right. respond with a one word answer, the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear these words. As okay. I said you can sing it, it can be a sentence, it can <laughs> be one word, however you want it to be. Alright? Okay. All righty. So here's the first word. <laughs> Entanglement.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mess. Mess. <laughs> I I had to drop that on you because I saw your post today.
2: <laughs>
1: Perfect timing. Oh. Man, I'm telling you, that seems to be like the hottest topic right now, like, wow. I
3: definitely anticipate people using that in therapy, and I'm going to get a good laugh oh, yeah. out of that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I That is going to be the fad of using that word is I already mm-hmm. know it's going to start. I already know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, the second word is life. Life. Life, as in hair life. As in no life.
3: Oh, life! As in oh, living then, like, life. Oh, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> life. Um, um, vision. I think of like vision, direction, like figuring out where you're going, where you're headed, how you can be constructive and purposeful.
1: Now, as you were, as you begin to navigate through your life. When did you really begin to basically see the vision for your life? As you were talking about vision, when did you begin to see the vision for your life or understand that there was like a greater purpose for your life? Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, I actually remember the exact moment, and I often tell this to people when they ask me how I got into mental health. Um, I had a very rocky um, time during college so it's always interesting when people highlight like having gone to Harvard and this school and that school because I, I almost failed out of college so many different times um, and it wasn't until like my last year where I started taking psychology courses that I really found um, an outlet to explore identity you know society the way I was raised socialization and so I was writing a paper and doing some research on I think it was queer youth of color and mental health disparities. And so mm. I found an article by National Youth Pride Services, which is this, this Chicago nonprofit. It's a leadership development organization for youth, um, helps them with networking, job coaching, etc. And it found that 40% of gay black boys, reported attempting suicide for a number of reasons, just not feeling excluded Mm. in school, not having role models, religious homophobia, family rejection, homelessness, rejection from homeless shelters. It's just a number of factors. And at that point, I realized, like, okay, you know, like, I have struggled throughout college, but I'm I'm turning this thing around. I had a a couple semesters before that of, like, solid, just good grades, and I was like, I have to finish strong. Like, I cannot, I cannot just, I haven't made it this far for nothing. And I know that sounds so cliche. People say that all the time. But literally, I have not made it this far and been able to turn things around as well as I have these past, this past year or so if it wasn't for a purpose. And so that's when I just started buckling down. And I was like, every single thing in my life is going to be something that is intentional. It's going to be an intentional decision that's purposeful and guided toward a, a goal, um, a vision, and something, more importantly, a vision and a goal that helps everyone else, not just myself. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of my story of, like, having a, a, a light bulb moment, like, okay, you got to get out of this, like, pity party that you've been in. Like, you got it bad, but, like, you also have it good in so many ways, and you can turn this thing around.
1: <laughs> mm. I like how you talked about how you, you, took, you basically took control of, you know, the narrative and the direction of your mm-hmm. life from that point. And I like mm-hmm. how you highlighted, as you said, that a lot of people always like to go to the fact that you were at Harvard but you talked about the struggles that you had there because I believe a lot of people hear the victory or hear the greatness mm. of the story sometimes, but they have or the greatness of the the uh, the outcome, but they mm-hmm. haven't heard the story behind it, and that's one of the mm-hmm. things I love to hear on the show is when people come on and are willing to share the story because man, that just lets my audience know okay. You know, I, I I've used this as an excuse long enough. Now I mm-hmm. realize I got to get up and do this thing for myself. Yeah,
3: and it takes a while. Okay. I'm not gonna lie and say that I, I turned it around yeah. overnight. It took, I mean, it took maybe like two, three years balancing different internships with working and like volunteering for different organizations. With, you know, when I didn't even have time or energy. Like it wasn't just oh I graduated and then I. Got a perfect job and then I got Into this school it takes Time but it's so mm-hmm. Fulfilling once you actually Do reach the milestone that you Have
1: envisioned And I think that Segues right into our next Word and that's purpose mm. hmm. um
3: I think Of I think of Intuition. When I think of purpose, I think that mm. a lot of people. There's this is quote that I, I can't say it perfectly, but it's something like, "Don't think about, don't think about what the world needs. Think about what you can give the world because, or think about what sets you mm. on fire because that's what the world needs. People yeah. who are just, you know, impassioned and set on fire. And I think that's so important. As we've um, had conversations recently about, you know. Um, Black Lives Matter and the global uprisings Mm -hmm. against police brutality. A lot of people have been confused, like, well, how do I help? Everything is so, you know, there's breaking news all the time. I'm so overwhelmed. And I'm just saying, think about your role within the movement. Like, what are your skills? What do people naturally compliment you on? Is it being caring? Is it being very logical, very strategic, a good writer, a good communicator? Think about those things and also consider your intuition and that's the role you play but you don't also you don't always have to pick up a bullhorn and be at the front of the the picket line <laughs> you know right. being the one right. shouting you have to find your role and so when i think of people talking about purpose i think it's very personal i think it's very intuitive i think that you have to go on this inward journey of figuring out you know what sets you on fire to really figure out what your purpose is
1: Now, awesome. And I want to stay right there, right in that vein for a little bit. Um, When did you come to a place where you uh, discovered or embraced who you are? Because I believe that's a lot of times connected to our purpose as well. I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we spend so much time trying to search for our purpose outside of you know, searching within with who uh, to find out who exactly we are, and I know that comes in stages and all of that, but when did you come to a reality of embracing you know the totality of who you are? Mm,
3: i think I think when I was younger, just um, having, gone, having been fortunate enough to have gone to a very for the most part like liberal, open-minded school. And so coming out, okay.
2: women,
3: I don't really have like a traumatic coming out story, the same way a lot of people do. Like I was never like intensely bullied or you know excluded in school. I had friends. I was not the most popular person, but also people knew me. People liked me, um, and I think they saw, um, I think they saw me being queer as like part of who I was, not like the totality of who I was. So that made it easier. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, there are people out there who are open-minded enough to, like, see me as a human being first. And so I just have to make it through this high school experience and become an adult and seek out those types of people. But I think as an adult, I figured out that, like, I am a very values-driven person. So the way other people are driven by, like, material things I like there there are material things that I like. I'm not gonna try to act like I'm holier than thou, and I don't want like a cool <laughs> phone or like cool shoes. Like I love material stuff, right. but I'm not like right. that doesn't motivate me to do things that I don't want. And it and after mm-hmm. a certain point, when I get a certain amount of things that I've been had that I've had my eye on that phone, that laptop, whatever. Once I got that, I was like, I'm bored. <laughs> like I don't like this mm-hmm. job, and I don't feel like. I don't feel motivated to, like, do – I don't feel motivated to go above and beyond, and I've always prided myself on going above and beyond. And so that's when I realized, like, maybe I need to go back to graduate school and get a degree, social work, counseling, something that will allow me to enter a field where I'm, like, helping people and making a difference and, like, it's more of a community personal feel versus just, like, I show up in a cubicle I'm on a computer looking at spreadsheets right. and reports all day, but then I'm also making ninety five thousand dollars <laughs> like that's just it's
2: not right, right
1: and I think that that's the 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 important thing too about purpose is that fulfillment there having that that fulfillment there and i I think that also ties into as you were saying. About knowing what to do in times like this. You don't have to be on the front line with the bullhorn. <laughs> it ties into knowing yourself and what you've been, you know, called and created to do, your strength. So I get that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now here's another word for you here, as a therapist here. Trauma.
3: <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Trauma. Um I see, actually, you know the word that I'm going to respond to this word with? Mm -hmm. I'm going to respond to this word with potential because I think that um, Mm -hmm. we don't think about, we think about post-traumatic stress, but we don't think about post-traumatic growth. And that's something that I've always Mm -hmm. mentioned whenever people ask me, like, well, how have you gotten through what you've gotten through in your life? First of all, you have to stop back, you have to stop and think back to all of the the times that you've overcome something that you thought you, you know, you could never overcome, you could never survive it. Here you are today, you did it. So now it's time to shift the narrative and to take off this, this, this self-blaming, self-pitying, you know, our resentful lens that we often have when we think about our trauma, when we look back at our trauma, and instead take a strength-based, strength-based approach. What strength? Did you leverage in those moments, in those hardships, in that heartbreak, in the devastation, in the disappointment, Mm -hmm. in those late nights when you were tossing and turning, hopeless? What strengths kept you going and got you up the next morning to do it all over again? Those are the things that you should take away from your trauma. And and when you take a strength-based approach like that, you won't necessarily be grateful for what you've been through. And I think there are some things, I don't like the term, everything happens for a reason because some, some stuff just, it doesn't need to happen for you to grow. Right. It's just unfortunate. But I think you still have a sense of gratitude. Like I'm grateful for at least being who I am. You know, I survived this. This is something that crushes a lot of people that defeats a lot of people. And here I am still alive. And so if you get to that point where you can see how trauma propelled you to live up to your potential, it, it changes everything. Like you you have a different perspective on life. You're able to deal with your bitterness, your resentfulness. You're able to forgive. You're able to see people as people and not just enemies. And so I think of potential when I hear trauma.
1: Awesome. And that's a great place for us to take a break right now. And we're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about that because I've never heard anybody take that approach As it relates to trauma so we'll be right back Anthony Baker jr. is the CEO of a nonprofit community organization called helping the homeless as an organization they are committed to changing lives and making others smile in addition to providing hands-on services for the homeless community all over Philadelphia they also have a Big Brothers mentoring program where participating youth are taught the value of giving back to their community. To learn more about the organization, call 215-487-8589 or email them at hthphilly at gmail.com. All right, we are back. We are back, and we are talking to Ariah Baker. I got it right that time. Ariya yeah. Baker, and we left off talking about trauma and the whole approach that you took with talking about trauma, I believe that if we could take, if a lot of people could see it from that approach or begin to attempt to see it from that approach, it could help heal a lot of areas um, a little quicker as well as, like you said, they would be able to pull that positive from it to understand the strength they gained from it. Mm-hmm. Now you said mm-hmm. something too that you don't like to hear said, and I, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I am totally with you. Like I don't understand how we can take that approach that, you know, either everything happens for a reason all of those things, and still expect people to be able to heal from that. Because yeah. while you're telling me everything happens for a reason, I can't even focus on my healing because now I'm trying to figure out, well, why did that <coughs> have, to have to happen to me? What is the reason exactly. that that would have to happen yeah. to me? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I why definitely me? definitely agree with that. Yeah. So now let's talk about the, the the approach you're talking about with trauma. Say someone's mm-hmm. listening today, and, you know, I've had this discussion on here a lot. I'm big on therapy. Therapy saved my life, especially after my divorce and all of mm-hmm. those things. It reconnected me with a lot of things back to my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm a big advocate for it. But I do have some that are on here that – you know, still struggle with the whole concept of, you know, therapy, whether it was because, you mm-hmm. know, they're raised in church. Church is my therapy. And my response to mm-hmm. that always as one who was raised in church, though church was my reason for needing therapy. Um mm-hmm. but mm. what would you say to them? What are some things or some steps they can start to take as far as with facing some of the traumas that you know they've hidden in the closet, swept under the rug different things like that, what are are some steps they can start to take before they, you know, uh, buy into the concept of the need for therapy? Hmm. So
3: you're saying before they – or what are some things that they might misunderstand about therapy? Is that what I'm getting from the question?
1: Now, that we can do that, too. I was saying from, you know, dealing with their own personal trauma, you know, in their own mm-hmm. life, what are some things that they can begin, some steps they can begin to take, you know, before going to therapy or before coming to the realization that I just may need therapy. But I also think that you, I need you to hit what you said as well.
3: Hmm. I, I think the first, I think the answer to both really is, Both the answer, what can they do before therapy, and sort of a misconception about therapy is the importance of, like, being open and honest about what you've been through, at least with somebody. Mm
2: -hmm. And I think
3: that is something that black people are conditioned to do. Um, After so many centuries of oppression, we're so conditioned to worry about appearances um, and yeah. it started out being, okay, well, how, how can we gain acceptance and, and favor and equality in this white society? So we'll try to become as respectable as possible. We'll try to become as polished as possible. But then we internalize that so much that we take it out on each other, where we end up
2: censoring <laughs> each
3: other, repressing each other, yeah. sweeping things under the rug. And that's just not how human beings are built. You know, there's nothing right. weak about. Um, acknowledging that you sometimes get tired, exhausted, weary, confused, insecure, fearful, you know, those are natural human emotions that transcend color, sex, race, every human division possible. Everybody on earth um, has felt those emotions. And so just giving yourself permission um, to just feel like, okay, I don't have to be superhuman. I can be a human being. Human beings have emotions. And just because this is an issue that may make me feel more vulnerable or less in control doesn't necessarily reflect anything about me. It's just something that's a little bit harder to process emotionally. And so seeking out help is actually one of the most empowering things that you can do. Um, And you come out so much stronger. You know, a lot of times we're worried about not being strong enough, but you come out so much stronger by having confided mm-hmm. in someone and and have having someone guide you through that.
1: Awesome. Now you went there and it triggered something in me, so I'm gonna, we're gonna go here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now. All right. I'm ready. We we're talking talking about our black culture. Mm-hmm. We're talking about therapy, so I want to mm-hmm. talk about masculinity all right <laughs> masculinity i we i knew we had i I was trying to see how we were gonna get there I didn't know how yeah. we were gonna quite get there, but I really wanted to get there because I've seen you speak out a lot concerning this, and this is something mm-hmm. that really vexes me as well because I feel like mm-hmm. grow- as a gay black man growing up this was mm-hmm. so it was so pushed on me so much that it was like man this is crazy and I see it happening to so many other young men Um, Mm -hmm. so let's talk about that let's talk about your thoughts on it because I mean your your Instagram name Instagram name is I hate gender (laughs) how did you get to that name (laughs)
3: so let's just so let's begin with the fact that I don't think masculinity is bad. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. – I don't think gender mm-hmm. is necessarily bad. What I mean by I hate gender mm-hmm. is I hate gender when it constrains who you are. But anyone's yes. expression of gender or they – I'm not trying to take anyone's right to be, like, a masculine person who enjoys football or, you know, working in the yard or whatever. Do you? But when it constrains who you mm-hmm. are, and I think for men in particular – women too women gender constrains women but i think the difference is that women are still allowed to express who they are and so they're able mm-hmm. to still connect and bond through the experience of being constrained by gender so women can still lean on each other when they're constrained by gender gender constrains men so much that we can't even lean on each other by the time we're right. you know 10 or 11 we can't even like you know, put our arm around our friend's neck, that's gay. You right. know, we're learning all of these things that are suddenly gay, 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 gay. And so I think for me over time what I've learned is that it wasn't just white supremacy that was stressing me out. <laughs> it was also right. the right. layer of mascul- toxic masculinity that prevented me from really um, opening up to anyone about the racial trauma that I had experienced. I felt like I couldn't even talk to anyone about it because if I talk to anyone about it, if I, if I'm seen crying, you know, if I'm seen broken, then I'm less of a man.
2: Mm -hmm. And so many
3: black men don't realize that, that it's not just the racial trauma. It's not just being a black man in America or being a black person in America. It's also dealing with patriarchy, dealing with gender, um, forced gender, Norms, you know, I forgot who it was, but someone said gender socialization, in a lot of ways, is traumatic. It strips you of your humanity and tells you who you're supposed to be and who you can't be. And often that is learned. Sometimes it's learned through observation. You know, kids just see, okay, these are the patterns in the world. Girls do this, boys do this, there's a division around these mm-hmm. issues, there's a division in the toy aisle, there's a division in church, there's a division in school, there's a division with occupations. You learn the patterns. But other times it's learned through through force, through punishment, through right. humiliation, through shame, um, through physical violence. And so we also have to account for Black men, when I say we we also have to account for the ways that we allow turning a blind eye to gender, turning a blind eye to patriarchy, we allow those things to ruin us when we pretend that gender and patriarchy don't exist. When we silence feminists and we say, oh, there's a feminist agenda, they're just trying to, you know, destroy the black man. Feminists are actually trying – black feminists in particular have always been on the side of black men, always been there trying to help black men get to a point in their identity where they feel more free,
2: just more free, mm-hmm.
3: free to be mm-hmm. a person. And I think that is the, the – that's part of the distortion that um, – of masculinity. Black men can only see feminism as something that's a, a reverse domination because that's what we've right. learned masculinity is, is dominate women. Right. So, of course, if women, feminism, and, you know, the word fem, the prefix fem, we automatically think that it's some sort of reverse domination, when really feminism is mm-hmm. only about challenging systems, it's challenging systems of domination and oppression and suppression and things that, you know, dehumanize. And so we have to get real about the way that gender dehumanizes us as
1: men. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I um I was laughing about your name, but I did understand where you were coming from your Instagram <laughs> name. But I underst- I understood exactly where you were coming from because, you know, that's the toxic masculinity is one of the things that I fight uh against very hard myself. Um mm-hmm. as being one that that played sports and all of those things as well, but yet at the same time that was struggle for me. And to be honest with you still 40 years old and still have struggles at times, you know, did I act, did I act too soft yeah. around this person or that, you know, so I, I get exactly what you're saying. And that, that's a conversation that we seriously need to have where people are willing to listen, especially about the, the feminist movement. Like as you broke it down, it is not an attempt to flip the script in the sense of domination you know it's a it's an attempt to tear down the system and rebuild it and reconstruct it the way that works better for everybody mhm yeah yeah exactly. so, yeah, I just wanted to hit on that real quick cuz I that Instagram <laughs> name when I first saw it I I'm tell you I laughed so hard <laughs> <laughs> but then I saw, I began to understand where you were coming from with it. But I, mm-hmm. then I laughed yeah. hard. I said, you know, so I, I got it. I just wanted to, I had to throw that in there. <laughs> All right. So the last word, we're still playing the game. <laughs> the last word oh, for the game is transformation. It's transformation. Mm.
3: Mm. I think that is, I think that word for me would um the rebirth you know i think that as mm-hmm. as human beings we have to become comfortable with the fact that we change we evolve that's the only way that we survive we have to be adaptable and so um i think with regard to my identity that has meant questioning something and so earlier you were talking about like my recent post about um, on the church and church homophobia and my uncle mm-hmm. um, and also my father uh, and that piece but
2: mm-hmm.
3: I think when it comes to that like I've definitely had to let go of some of the things that were socialized into me but I've also had to mm-hmm. um, examine or give, give people grace for how they were socialized yes. so people often ask me, like, well, when did, you, when did you become a therapist? When did you decide to become a therapist? So I told the story about when I decided to go into mental health, about this, the statistic of 40% of black boys, black gay boys attempting suicide and how that woke me up. But the moment when I decided to go to therapy was actually with this old white man therapist. And he helped me work through so many issues around my father. And one of the questions that he asked me that struck me most was, who was your father before he was your father? And suddenly mm. I realized so many of the traumatic things that my father, so many things that my father had done to me that I considered traumatic were in his eyes an attempt to protect me in the world, to equip yep. me yep. with armor, to, to survive situations and navigate systems and structures and institutions that yep. he felt excluded out of. And he felt out of the know. Like, I'm totally unprepared to deal with, you know, this predominantly white college environment. You know, no one prepared me for this. My parents have never even left their hometown, you know. And so he's yeah. trying to inculcate me with all of this conditioning to help me prepare, not realizing how it sort of negates my my individuality, my uniqueness, my authenticity, because he just wants me to survive. And so for me, I always approach conversations around equity and justice from that perspective, you know. And I also remind people, I take that same approach to me. So Mm -hmm. I guess I'm about calling things out. Like I recently published something, you know, dealing with like homophobia um, in the church and a lot of my family is, you know, very devoutly Christian, um, very devoutly church going and is not able to always see some of the blind spots. But I also take that same approach Mm -hmm. to me. And I've done that work when it comes to gender, when it comes to class, when it comes to a lot of different privileges that um, that I've had and, and ways that I'm fortunate. So it's not me tearing people down. It's really just me being, taking a critical eye to things that a lot of times people would rather not examine.
1: And that's what I saw from, from the pieces that I've read, um, and that's why I wanted us to talk about it is because I feel like a lot of people need to be introduced to that approach. On Father's Day uh, for my podcast, I talked about something similar to what you just said, seeing what, what your therapist had um, encouraged you to examine, you know, who was your father before he was your father. Because I feel uh-huh. like sometimes what happens is we have two people standing at on opposite sides of the room, and nobody's willing to take a step towards trying to understand each other because you just won't understand me you know mm-hmm. so that's that's why I, i'm glad that you brought that up is because i and that's one thing we do here on the show too is i want everybody to get to a place where we can listen from a place to understand each other because if we can start to understand why we process things the way we process things and why we think the way we think then we can start to have a better understanding of each other even if we don't agree mm-hmm. you know and i feel like it it draws us together and makes us you know a better unit i mean i i feel like the things that unite us are greater than the things that divide us when we can have These type of conversations and come together with the understanding of, I'm not trying to change you. Mm -hmm. You don't have to try to change me. You know, so yeah, yeah. Now you, yeah. Oh, go ahead.
3: Oh no, no, I was, I was finished here.
1: Okay. So you said you wrote something else that I want to read and I want to talk about because this really. Hit hard. It really hit home because it took me back to my childhood too. Here, uh, you mm-hmm. said uh, queer queer people's realization that they are different almost always begins with rejection before puberty or same sex awakening or same sexual awakening. hmm. Mm-hmm. I can we talk about that just for a little bit because. I don't think a lot of people understand that, that it's, that happened yeah. way before, like, you know, way before I realized yeah. I'm attracted to the same sex, that came before that, you know, so, yeah, is that from your personal time, experience? Like,
3: yes, that's from my personal experience, okay. and I always tell people, like, the first moment that I realized that I was queer was four years old, and it's interesting because mm-hmm. I just read a study recently that said that is the exact age that the majority of kids, whether straight, Gay, cisgender, transgender, whatever, realize that they have, like, they have a solid identity formation around gender at that age. And I think that's the case because at four years old, that's the point at which kids really start to um, have a grasp of language. And that grasp of language not only allows them to communicate with other people, it allows for them to have this sort of internal dialogue amongst themselves, like inward. They get to process life in a different way when you're able to use language to reflect. And so therefore, they arrive at the conclusion, this is who I am. But I always tell people, like, the per- first person to tell me that I was queer, or the first person to um, tell me that I was queer was another child, was family. were all these people who, you know, saw my behaviors that didn't conform to social norms and pointed that out. It wasn't me being aware that there was some identity out there, some label like gay, queer, whatever. I Honestly, I'm from a small town, so I didn't even realize those words existed until I was maybe like 11. You know, there are kids mm-hmm. today who know what gay means are like, five, six, because they live in big cities with pride parades. I didn't even know pride parades existed until like almost high school. (laughs) So it couldn't be the case that like I got, you know, brainwashed or indoctrinated by some agenda.
2: I didn't even know
3: that people like me existed. It just got pointed out. And I think that's the thing people have to realize. Like people say, oh, I'm just not political. Everything is political. Everything is political. Everyone has a political viewpoint. Some people's viewpoint is just so dominant and so pervasive and so subconscious in the world, they don't even realize how political it is. They don't even realize the way that it can harm other people, regardless of their intention, the impact of it. And so if we can get to the point where people realize, like, hmm, who I am, you know, is reflected everywhere in the media. You know, it's the dominant narrative. What does that mean for people who aren't reflected in this dominant narrative?
1: Mhm, absolutely absolutely. I totally agree there with that now, uh I see you've contributed to a lot of uh, different publications. Have you read mm-hmm. a book, or is there a book in the works? <laughs>
3: um, I don't know i I am thinking about it to be honest. I think that I really like the idea of um addressing some of the things that I dealt with as a child through like children's and young adult literature. So that's something that I'm considering Mm -hmm. um, as well as like short stories. So we'll see what comes next.
2: (laughs) But that's
3: such a big compliment to even have people think that I'm capable of doing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I've encouraged uh, some of the people that I talked about with you coming on the show to go read, some of your writings because I think you write from a space of uh, a space that a lot of people need to hear it from, as I said, Mm -hmm. because sometimes we can read some stuff and especially in these days and times with the news and everything we have going on and everybody's hijacking the narrative about everything you need yeah. to be able to read something, you know that that's subjective, you know. So
3: yeah, yeah. that's why I my work that always has a bit of like personal story, but also like historical context, you know, facts. If there's things that you know relate to like suicide or mental health, public health, so I try to weave it into where people leave like touched emotionally, but also like informed um, factually, and so that. Yeah. That complementariness of like, okay, I feel I believe this story because it's so raw, but I also believe the story because these ra- these facts
1: are so undeniable and concrete. Mm-hmm. Got you. Now with the with everything we have going on from the social justice standpoint to the pandemic, uh, I've seen uh, well even before the social justice issues really be came to the forefront, Um, I was reading, I've seen a lot of statistics concerning uh, the suicide rate from the pandemic. Of course, you know, Mm -hmm. we had a lot of people that were together realizing I don't want to be with you anymore from those various things. Um, Mm -hmm. So as we're still in this pandemic, what are some things that, that people can do with their time? Uh, to Mm. cause their time to be a little more productive and to get their mind on more positive things versus, you know, how easy it is to grab hold of the negative that's going on.
3: Yeah, I think um, actually what a a list of affirmations that you can find in this publication called the mighty. Um, And so something that I talked about is just like being mindful of your consumption of media, like, I think there is this mm-hmm. conflict, this inner conflict I sometimes feel of, like, needing to stay informed, but also needing to, like, step back for the sake of just, like, sanity and not being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And so striking that balance and also making sure that you take time to um, – to just know and share the good news, like the recoveries from COVID. You know, today I just read a headline that New York City reported zero deaths from COVID for the first time since the pandemic started. Um, So there are things, there are strides being made toward progress. And just think about, I also spend a lot of time thinking about, like, what what in society needs to change or transform in order for us not to have to deal with this again? And so one thing that I've mm-hmm. been um, sort of woken up to is, like, the importance of universal health care, having a health care system that's not tied to employment. You know, a lot of people mm-hmm. have been put in a situation where they either stay at home and quarantine and stay healthy. Uh, they can't pay rent because they're not at work, or they go no. to work and they can pay rent, but then they're exposing themselves to COVID. So that wouldn't be a problem if we had free health care, and not free health care in the sense of, like, everybody gets liposuction and like a facelift, but like everybody gets like free insulin (laughs) and blood pressure medicine and like basic things like immunizations and vaccines, like that's just public health. And so, um, yeah, just being mindful of what I take in, being mindful of the vision that, that I've, the vision of society this has awakened me to um, and how I can bring that to fruition in the, however I can, whether it be voting, sharing information,
1: whatever. When you hit voting, how important is it to get out there and register to vote?
3: So, so, so important. <laughs> and I just want to plug yeah. quickly because I know we're running out of time, but I just want to plug that it's very important to vote at the local level too, because yes. as we've seen with COVID, a lot of a lot of the politicians responding are the governors, are the mayors. When we talk mm-hmm. about police brutality, it's also the prosecutors who are making, un- who are giving unfair sentencing to black folks for the same crimes that white people are doing. It's the district attorneys who you have to put in office who defend the black people, mm-hmm. who often don't have the money to hire a private attorney. So these, these are, uh, you talk about, you know, the erasure of black history in schools school boards determine the textbooks and approve the curriculum so when we talk about yes. the importance of voting we're not just talking about ousting trump we're also talking about our community and all of our communities on the local level so don't forget to pay attention to those local elections
1: that's another thing i hit heavy on here is voting on the local level and then being a part of your census we can't complain mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. our representation if we're not amongst exactly. the count. We have to be a part of it. So, yeah, I totally mm-hmm. agree there. Mm-hmm. So we are. Our time is winding down. So I'm gonna hit these last three questions. And okay, um, cool. okay? so the first question right. is: and You said a you said a lot throughout this conversation. If everybody was to forget everything that you said. What would be one thing that you would want them to take away from this conversation?
3: Everything is political. And I think I said that earlier. We mm-hmm. have to get to a point where mm-hmm. we realize that some of our some of our views are just so dominant in society, such so embedded in the dominant narrative, so pervasive, so subconscious in the media, in religion, in schooling, in sports, and everything that we consume at every turn, that we don't even realize the harm that we can do. I also think the importance of impact versus intention. We can have the best intention but still have a negative mm. impact, and we have to wrestle with the tension between those two.
1: So that's that answer. Good, okay. Now the second question, on here we like to recognize what we call transforming transformers. Transforming <laughs> transformers are those who have committed their life to their own personal transformation, and now they have become a part of assisting others in their personal transformation. They can be Mm -hmm. a coach, a therapist, a friend, a family member, Mm -hmm. support system, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, but we like to acknowledge them on here. So I always like to give our guests space to acknowledge up to four transforming transformers that have been there for them in their corner throughout your personal process.
3: Mm, Okay. I can name some people just like personally, um, but then also I guess some people who've just like been instrumental in my development. I would start with Mm -hmm. black feminist Bell Hooks. She's informed a lot of my views around masculinity, um, you know, awakening me to the way we sort of socialize boys and parent boys almost to be like soldiers versus human beings. Um, yes. I would also say, um, who else? I would say one of my best friends, Gabrielle Horton. She has a podcast, Natal Stories, and that focuses on the experiencing of black birthing parents. And she's just been one of the most open-minded people, straight, woman, black, straight black woman throughout my life. And she just has a way of listening empathetically that I try to model in all of my other friendships with people. Um, who else? I would say maybe, whew, I mean, who else? James Baldwin has been instrumental. Um, just mm. his eloquence and explaining things and and his fearlessness in, like, speaking up and calling things out for what they are, I think, really just inspires me. Um, and then I would say, um One of my favorite quotes is by this feminist, um, Indian feminist author, and it is basically just saying, like, once you see something that's wrong and harmful in the world, like, you can't unsee it. So at that point, ignoring it becomes just as political of an act as doing it because now you're enabling it to happen. So there is really no, no innocence at the point where you become aware of harm that's happened, of oppression that's happened. So we're all accountable. And I think that has been profound upon me, and it's just another example of how, um, you know, feminists of color, specifically black feminists, but feminists of color around the world have been so visionary in, in envisioning a world that is really subversive to everything that is harmful and oppressive in this world that we have now, right, right now.
1: Awesome. Now, we've talked ourselves off the air, and let's not have to run one more commercial. I got so caught up in the conversation, I forgot to run this other commercial. So I'm going to run one more commercial, and then we'll get to the final question. All right, cool. Are you thinking of selling or buying your dream home? Then contact Harrison Domerkin, the People's Agent. As a licensed realtor in both Delaware and Maryland, Harrison desires to help you sell or buy your home, and he promises you that your experience with him will be great. Call or text him today at 302-260-0659 or email him at HarrisonDomercant at com. All right, so we've done the two questions. Now I want to give you the opportunity to give everybody your social media handles, where they can read uh, some of your articles, all of those things. Okay,
3: Okay, yeah. Um, My social media handles are the same for Twitter and Instagram. I hate gender, literally I-H-A-T-E, gender. Um, You can also go to my website, ariabaker.com. That's A-R-A-Y-A baker.com and then um, I mean you can search my name in Google with like Team Vogue there's a popular article about finding a therapist if you're um, a woman of color a queer person of color that's something that's really helpful people have found really helpful Um, and I've written some pieces in this publication called The Mighty which is a mental health publication and so if you're thinking about therapy you're unsure um, you've maybe tried therapy and, you know, you just, it didn't click with you with the first one. And now you're wondering what you did wrong and how you can avoid that from happening. There's pieces on the, all of that stuff. So the mighty team Vogue, the good men project um, education post is another publication that I've written for a lot.
1: Awesome. So I want to thank you again for being on the show. I really appreciate you coming and sharing so freely with our listening audience.
2: Yeah.
3: Thank you.
1: Here we go. This is the final question. Okay. This is the question I end every conversation with. Okay. (laughs) Who is God to you? Mm.
3: To me, God is a liberating, um, spiritual, Being, who loves us all and affirms us all um, and who I think there's this this, all throughout my life like in the black church but also like in Christian churches in general I've heard God is in control, God is in control, God is in control but God has also invested in us the power to transform our lives and, um, you know, our society It's not just waiting on a rapture, waiting on an apocalypse, (laughs) you know, waiting on a savior to come, a messiah to come. Mm -hmm. We also have some agency to speak up and change things. And I think that's so important, not to get caught up in um, giving so much of our power away that we believe nothing is going to change unless someone else above us does it. God loves us all. Um, God affirms us all. Um, And God is powerful. God is powerful. I don't want to downplay that. But God, in loving us and affirming us, has also given us the power to communicate with each other, to reflect, to use language, to resolve conflicts instead of just, you know, killing each other like animals. (laughs) So there's a lot of power God invested in us to create a humane, ethical civilization And so we have to remember that those principles of, like, justice and ethics and liberation are godly. They're not secular. They're not worldly. They're not New Age. Those are godly principles, and those are holy principles. So defending people's dignity, defending people's liberation, that is what God would want us to do, and I think that is the ultimate representation
1: of God. Awesome. I asked that question. I always like to explain to everybody why I asked that question. I ask that Mm -hmm. question because I personally believe that as long as we live, we will never fully understand. And I use this word loosely because I don't feel like there's a word that can describe the creator. But Mm -hmm. I don't believe we'll fully understand the awesomeness of who God Mm -hmm. is. However, when we have conversations with each other and we Mm -hmm. experience each other we are experiencing another dimension Mm. or another revelation Mm. of who God is. So I always like to Mm -hmm. find out how each person individually defines who God is to them personally, because I can tell you the truth from the beginning of the show to now, I haven't had anybody give the same answer. And even if they Mm. give the same generalized answers, the explanation of the answer is personal Mm -hmm. And intimate. Mm-hmm. So, and I also mm-hmm. love how you said that um, God is powerful. However, mm-hmm. He's given us, He's delegated some power and authority to us as well. You know, mm-hmm. so we have to mm-hmm. begin to make sure that we're doing everything with what's been invested in us to create the world that we were called to create. So, again, thank you yeah. for being on the show, listening thank audience. You for thank me. each and every <laughs> one of you. Oh, you're welcome. No problem. But listening audience, thank you for you guys tuning in. If there was no you, there'd be no show. So I appreciate each and every one of you. Please, please, please make sure you connect with Araya make sure you are visiting the website and connect with him on social media. Also, we will be back. I don't think it's next week. I think we have a couple weeks off. But visit my website, com so you can see the guests that we have coming up. We have a couple more shows this month, and then next month we have some shows, and that ends Season 2, and I have a big announcement concerning Season 3, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Connect with me on social media. Just type in my name, Clifton Pettyjohn, and as I always say, guys, create a great day, walk with purpose and by all means execute your vision peace
0: so i know you've heard me talk a lot about working with people in entertainment and perhaps you don't necessarily work in entertainment and if you do you may not need a full overhaul at the moment however you may be facing a challenge or working on a project that you could use objective perspective or expertise on. Um, this is why I offer consulting. Here are the areas I can help you in. Branding, Marketing, Creative Strategy, Spiritual Development, Identity Strategy, Style and Image, Content Strategy, Entrepreneurship. I would love to work with you to navigate your challenge or to enhance your project. If you want to book a one time session or inquire about a short term consulting relationship, you can do both by visiting your Let's get it.